to the 15 to the 10. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. Well, one week into the new league year, and it is clear. The Cardinals, gentlemen, are being patient. Maybe a little bit too patient for fans out there, but... They are taking a very measured approach when it comes to free agency. There have been just four new faces added. Seven familiar faces, though, are back, and that is something we saw a year ago going with the known versus the unknown. Although they'll say this, Paul, some of those new faces are quite known to the new coaching staff with the Arizona Cardinals. It's not like there's a pitch clock that's been instituted in the offseason. You know, you, you go at your own pace, you figure out, What's going to work best for your team? Here we are on a Tuesday. You have the DeAndre Hopkins rumors getting a little more traction with Ian Rappaport reasserting that the Cardinals are listening. Maybe a, a little kickstart, jumpstart to all those teams out there that, you know what, they want resolution, they want a deal in front of them. You have that. You have a couple of new mock drafts that are out there. Remember, Craig, Tuesday is the most productive day of the week. <laughs> I've heard that. Studies have established that. Mel Kuyper keeping that up. He's saying the Cardinals are going to trade down with Indy and then still get their guy Will Anderson. Daniel Jeremiah 3.0. He has the Cardinals staying at 3 and taking Will Anderson. So a lot flying around out there. The mock drafts always entertaining read, if nothing else, because are they newsworthy? Probably not, but when you're at this point in the offseason, you're looking for something, anything, to keep that NFL in the headlines. And free agency right now, Drew, as you look at what the Cardinals have done most recently, in fact, less than 24 hours ago, bringing back quarterback David Blau, who was an unrestricted free agent after not having his uh, not getting a contract uh, a tender offer, and then new wide receiver Zach Paschal joining this team, familiar with Jonathan Gannon and Clayton Adams, the new offensive line coach from their days not only in Philadelphia but in Indianapolis. Yeah, exactly. When you're trying to change the culture, you're trying to change everybody that's within the building. And what that looks like is – filling out the bottom end of that roster, making sure that you're doing everything that you can do. And sometimes it is having personal relationships with guys, knowing that they're the right pieces to the puzzle, that they aren't necessarily going to be you know, a perennial wide receiver or you know a franchise quarterback. But you need to be able to have quality guys that you can trust that have put good stuff on tape. And if we think back, which seems like an eternity ago, uh, because of all of the news that has transpired, of when Monty first got here, he talked about, we are trying to build something over time. And that takes time. You're not going to make these splash free agent signings where you go out and you overpay for guys or you do all these different things or you try and do that. You have to be strategic with the the funds that you want to allocate towards that. You circle the wagons within first, as we talked about. They did that. They've checked that box with Will Hernandez, Calvin Beecham, Matt Prater, you know, Greg Dortch, who I'm sure Kyle Vandenbosch is very excited about. Ding. Yep. yep. And David Blau. And then you go on down the list of guys that, again, they thought that everybody from the entire Philadelphia defense was just going to hop on board with the Cardinals that was free agents. That's not the case. 
you've got to have the right match, the right fit of what's going on here based off of already what exists here. So, again, patience is really difficult to understand as a fan. But at the same time, you hope that it pays off because you sit back and you're going to have to build through the draft. You're sitting there and you're understanding what they want to do of getting on the same page and figuring out how they're going to transpire and bringing back somebody like David Blau that had a very good end of the season selfishly and showed some upside. You bring him back because of the question marks that exist with Kyler Murray. The wide receiver room is in flux right now of people leaving, coming. Who knows what's going to happen with D-Hop in the next short-term future it sounds like he's going to be on the move. So getting a quality wide receiver that has been in different systems, that's been different places with great organizations, that means a lot because this guy is going to be able to answer the bell, and when he's been on the field, he's had success. 11 signings or re-signings, and none of these signings, Paul, longer than two years, and I think a lot of it is prove it because, to Drew's point, Jonathan Gannon, Monty Austin, they're in it for the long haul. They want to see who they can hitch their wagons to not only this season but years to come. But if you're talking about splash, and maybe not a major splash, but the big name out there with the Philadelphia Eagles a year ago is linebacker Kaiser White, who is going to come in and perhaps be that quarterback of the defense or at least know what Nick Rollis wants to do and then let everyone else on the field tell what they're able to do. I mean, it's so imperative, I think, to get that guy in who knows the Gannon system. He has trust in the coaching staff and vice versa. He he can model it on and off the field, what it needs to look like, what it sounds like. If you need someone to call that defense, I'm guessing Kaiser White is that guy. So by design, you go out and you get him, you bring him in. He was highly productive last year with the Eagles, even more so the year before with the Chargers. He had a team-high 144 tackles in 2021. He started all 17 games. So I think what you're seeing is a Jonathan Gannon, Monty Austin for players are familiar with, they think are undervalued. They bring him in, they give him a chance to flourish, whether it's a Kaiser White, whether it's a Zach Paschal, who in 19-20 and 20 for the Indianapolis Colts when Gannon was there, was very productive so okay you come in they know the system and then it's not unlike the guy sitting with us right here Drew Stanton who came in with Bruce Arians and I mean Drew to what degree that first year that first offseason leading into the first training camp were you as much a coach as you were a player especially your knowledge of the system yeah I mean it's huge that's why you're brought here right and they make it very apparent you're Um, you know, somebody that's behind the scenes that's trying to rise and create a career in this business, you've got to be able to be multifaceted. And part of that is taking on the responsibility of knowing the system and then being able to go out and help everybody else around you. You look at at the, just the defense, how it's going to shift from what it was to what it's going to become. It's all about spacing in that system. It's it's a lot of zone. It's a lot of, of, you know, relying on a guy being in their position and passing stuff off and doing all this stuff. So much communication has to happen on that side of the ball defensively when you are reacting to what's going on, motion adjusts and all of these things that you've got to be able to have somebody that speaks the verbiage fluently, that they show up day one and everybody's not on the same page learning. He can pull guys along with him. He can do all of these things. And again, it's about the opportunity. Some guys that are looking to take that next step in their career. So these are two tremendous signings in that aspect. It allows them the opportunity to showcase what they can do but also you know mentally where they are as soon as they step foot in this building 
The line of scrimmage has also been a focal point so far in free agency for addressing either the offense or defensive lines. And then you look at the O-line with three moves, Will Hernandez, Kelvin Beachin back, and then you bring in an interior center slash guard and Yelda Froholt, who again has that familiarity with Drew Petzing, Monty Ford back in the day with the New England Patriots, someone who is still relatively young, will be 27 in August. And right now, Paul, I think you're just trying to figure out pieces and then eventually those pieces will be put into place on the football field yeah you need names you need bodies along the offensive and defensive line right now I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's a player involved for DeAndre Hopkins if it's not just a pick expecting that trade and you know there's been a lot of speculation if he's going to New England there's a couple of offensive linemen there who may not fit long term into their future maybe they're part of a deal I wouldn't be shocked by that they're going to have to build this roster from the inside out, and they're far from done when it comes to offensive line, defensive line. I think center is a priority right now. What are you doing? Does that guy exist in the draft? The Minnesota center who played six years of college ball because of COVID, John Michael Schmitz. I mean, if you get a guy like him, he might be plug and play from day one, but you have to find a veteran center, I think, right now. And then, yeah, you need bodies along that defensive line. Honestly, Craig, I mean, I don't want to go all hot take here on a Tuesday, but what's the future of an Isaiah Simmons? Does he fit in this defense? Could a Kaiser White have been signed in part because if somebody makes you an offer on a Isaiah Simmons before you have to make a decision on his contract by May, May, 2nd. May 2nd, and that coincides with a draft day trade, I wouldn't be shocked. And maybe you get an offensive or defensive lineman going that route. So I, I think everything's up in the air right now. Yeah, that decision on whether to exercise the fifth-year option coming up quicker than expected. I know Monty's been asked about it. Jonathan Gannon's been asked about it a couple of times, and they've kind of pushed that can down the road. But you look, if this defense is going to be a 4-3, you're going to need three interior inside linebackers, and that could be Zayvon Collins, Kaiser White, and Isaiah Simmons, with Simmons perhaps maybe patrolling a little bit more of the outside or the back end. Exactly, and, and I think it almost would create flexibility. You don't make a decision until you have to in this league, right? That That's the adage that uh, will live on forever. And so as a head coach, as a general manager, you understand that, and you're inheriting a roster that you're trying to figure out how it can look at what you can get the most out of these first-round picks that might not have come to fruition before. And a guy like Isaiah Simmons, it's going to be make or break for him this year. He's either going to be able to go out and work within the confines of this defense and you can stay in a quote-unquote big nickel type of package depending on what you're seeing and what's going against you. If it is 11 personnel, that you can stay in a base defense quote-unquote with three true linebackers because you have the flexibility with Isaiah Simmons. So it could be that or it could just say, hey, we don't feel good about him functioning there. I think he's athletic enough if you simplify things for him, almost like the old school Tampa 2 where you just let him roam and he's like Derek Brooks around or whoever you want to say that, that filled that body type that was extremely athletic. When the ball's in the air, he's going to make plays. He's going to be around the ball. But everything else kind of just funnels to there and allows him to be the athletic freak that he is. Con- concentrate on just one position. Simplify things. Make it as simple as possible. I mean, again – 
like I said earlier on the show, that's what this defense is about. It's about guys relying on each other. It's about all 11 players doing their job, doing their responsibility. When I first came into the NFL, it was under Rod Marinelli, who was a part of the, the, the notorious Tampa 2 defense. It's very simple. It's cover one. It's cover three. It's cover two. You know what you're going to get. They just do it so well and execute so well. They're all on the same page. You can't miss that window because if you are late or early or whatever it is, you're going to have a turnover. The ball is going to be in the air. You're going to get a tip, a pick, whatever it is. Because when the eyes are on the quarterback and you have the ability to do that, you've got to make sure that everybody in the back end is doing it. But when the ball's in the air, it's not like it's man-to-man and, and those balls are finding the turf. Those are finding hands, and they're going the opposite way. Do you entertain talk of Isaiah Simmons having a future on the edge? Is that plausible, feasible, doable to you? I, I don't know. I think it's a great question because we've talked about it last time when I was here. You could see Hassan Reddick was not meant to be you know, a stacked linebacker. Yep. And so you put him on the edge, and you hear about, oh, he's so versatile. He does all these things. And now you look at what he's done the past couple of years when you give him a chance to go on the edge, right? That's everybody's caveat of when you draft some of these hybrid type of guys. Oh, well, he can also rush the passer. Well, can he rush the passer at this level? Can he do it? Can he win a one-on-one matchup? He's, uh, when he has that opportunity, can you do that? Because that's where this defense that Jonathan Gannon just came from had so much success is only bringing four. And when you only bring four, you keep seven on the back end, and that allows the, you know, the defense to, to gain the advantage at that point. As soon as you start adding extra hats to the pile, it becomes more difficult. So do they get creative? I think Isaiah Simmons can do it. We just haven't seen him do it. And at what level can he do it? Is it worth continuing to invest in him? Ooh, that's a big question. And with the release of Marcus Golden, you need to find someone to rush the quarterback. And is the answer at pick number three with Will Anderson? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes. I already told you guys. Yeah. As soon as that became available, I am running up there with the, the name in my hand. I don't care what anybody offers me at that point. It's over. The only thing better is if you get Will Anderson at four. Correct. And, and Mel Kuyper actually has the Cardinals trading down with Indy and then getting a second and third in return from the Colts, which would be a high second and a high third in return for going down to four and taking Will Anderson. That would be a triple ding right there if you pulled that off. I think it's the most, it's the most, it's the best case scenario for the Cardinals to still land Will Anderson and gain extra draft picks by just moving down one spot. No doubt. And look, just to cap the the Isaiah Simmons discussion, in a way, he sort of reminds me of a Dayon Buchanan. He's a football player, but where does he play? What's his position? you got to figure that out. And I vividly remember the end of last season, Vance Joseph going into detail a little bit about Isaiah Simmons, saying he's really designed to play in space. Okay, where is that exactly? And so, is that, I mean, that can't be on the edge if that's the case. Or could it? Could he be a, a, I mean, if a hybrid Micah Parsons? I mean, that's asking a lot. Maybe the best overall defensive player in the league. I'm just saying, you got to figure that out. Isaiah Simmons' future, DeAndre Hopkins' future, all stuff we want answered, but we preach patience here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Hey, join the season ticket priority list and select your seats before the general public for information on the upcoming home schedule. Go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for more information. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Hurts up the gun. He fakes to Sanders. Goes back. He is firing wide open. Pascal at the five. And he is in for the touchdown. 
touchdown, Zach Pascal, 34 yards. Throws left side to Zach Pascal at the five yard line, looking for the pylon, and he's in. Zach Pascal, and the ball is caught. Reach off, Zach Pascal. Yes, sir. Touchdown, Zach Pascal. Keep it way downfield for Zach Pascal. Touchdown, touchdown, Zach Pascal. A 42 yard bomb. Floats right side on a crossing pattern. Zach Pascal makes a man miss. Jumps over the pile at the goal line. That's a touchdown, Zach Pascal. Rolls end zone looking for a man. He's got it. Touchdown, Zach Pascal. Pascal from 17 yards away. Going to fire upfield into the end zone. Touchdown, Zach Pascal. Yes, sir. Five seasons in the NFL. Last season with the Eagles. His first four years with the Colts. Eagles and Colts Radio on the play-by-play. Zach Pascal, the newest addition to the Arizona Cardinals and that Cardinals wide receivers room. As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Paul Calvisi talking about the six foot two, two 241-pound wide receiver who already, Paul, is the tallest wide receiver in the room with any experience, and that's no knock on Auden Tate's or Javon Wims, but Pascal does have five seasons. Last year, started two games, but played in every single game, and that's the one thing you can say about him. He has only missed one game Mm. over the last five seasons, and that was, interesting enough, at the Cardinals in 2021 when he had COVID-19. You need receivers. You especially need receivers with size. So he's over six foot. He's six two. He's over two hundred pounds. So that checks both of those boxes. Uh, he also plays a lot of special teams. So you got to figure he's going to be real physical. That's how he made this league. He was undrafted out of Old Dominion five years ago. So you got to figure as that physicality, that dog in him as a receiver. So you heard his ability to be a playmaker and actually do something with the ball in his hands. you got to figure he has the ability to block and be that physical receiver that if you're going to feature a run game, and every indication is, Cardinals will have a balanced offense this year. And look, in Indianapolis, where Jonathan Gannon got to know him originally, 2019-2020, he had a pair of over 600-yard receiving campaigns, five touchdowns each year, so... There has been production there. Now, is he anywhere close to replacing wide receiver one of DeAndre Hopkins on the trade block? Obviously not. You're still going to have to figure that out. But in terms of adding to this receiver room, and as currently constructed, like we said, a bigger, more physical receiver, this is what the Cardinals need at the moment. Hollywood Brown, 5'9", Rondell Moore, 5'7", Greg Dortch, 5'7". So you needed someone with size, whether he plays outside or inside, but the ability to go either because, as we've heard Jonathan Gannon say, Drew, he doesn't have a defensive scheme. They have an idea of what they want to do defensively, and my guess is offensively will operate the same way. This is what we plan to do this week. Come back and ask us what we'll do the following week. Yeah, well, and you know, to, to not uh, stereotype defensive head coaches, but they want to run the ball. <laughs> so to stereotype defensive head coaches, they want to run the ball. <laughs> and saying that... You want to take the blueprint of what happened in Philadelphia offensively, defensively, special teams, everything they did. They were just 
a, a step above everybody else. And so in saying that, right, bring somebody that understands what that looks like, that buys into it. Uh, again, his, his numbers drop significantly, but what you're getting for a guy that can play special teams to play in all those games, but obviously you look at the production that he had in Indianapolis, and he's looking for an opportunity. And we don't have anybody on the roster like this because of what we're going through within this transition. And you look at what he brings to the table, and, and it's exciting because it is that perfect marriage, as Paul kind of talked about before, of guys looking to really take that next step in their career, and this is a perfect opportunity for him to seize that. You look at somebody like Hollywood Brown, you know the relationships that he has with Kyler Murray, the comfort level that he has there, and then there's a bunch of question marks after that. So you bring in a veteran guy that knows what it looks like, that's had over 600 yards multiple years in this league, and maybe he can get 1,000. Maybe he can do something for you on the outside. Maybe he's a red zone threat. You know he's going to go in and block for you. He's going to do all of these things. So, uh, again, not a sexy signing by any means, but a guy that you know what you're going to get. And, and again, he is going to be able to have an opportunity to be up on game day, to add that just by special teams alone, and then you, you look at the upside of what this potential signing could be, and you get excited about it from the standpoint of an established veteran that's coming in and looking to earn a spot. And you're coming from the NFC champion Eagles, where you're buried in that receiver room. They had a lot of talent on that team, obviously, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. And so if you're Jonathan Gannon, I'm guessing you watch Zach Paschal in Eagles training camp and Eagles practices. So you're pretty darn familiar with what he can do, whether he got an opportunity to show any of that, only 15 catches all of last year, but he played in all 17 games and all the playoff games, including the Super Bowl. So you feel, at least I do, a lot better that, okay, you got a head coach who knows this player intimately, watching him day in and day out, and then you feel like, okay, he feels pretty confident in this sort of signing. He's shown the production. It's been a couple of years, but to your point, Paul, Jonathan Gannon watched him training camp practice. How did he carry himself? Maybe didn't get the opportunity on game day, but still put forth the work during the week to where now that Gannon is a head coach, I want him not only on my team, but I want him in that locker room as a leader for the rest of the wide receivers. No doubt. And look, who is the leader in that room right now? If DeAndre Hopkins is on the trade block and is not going to be a member of the Arizona Cardinals by the time we get to the draft, which I think is everyone's expectation, okay, you're going to need someone to come in and sort of be that guy. And and you're going to be missing a DeAndre Hopkins that other teams game plan for, that throw an inordinate amount of coverage his way, and it sort of dictates a lot of the reads and a lot of what you're going to do. So it's going to be a different look for the Cardinals on offense when it comes to the receiver room and then do you get someone in return for DeAndre Hopkins is it just picks do you get a receiver in return I don't know but there's so much to be determined and when it comes to weapons and who's going to be at the disposal of Cardinals quarterbacks once you figure out who the quarterback is going to be if you do not have number 10 on the football field you are not a better team just based off the talent that a DeAndre Hopkins has even though he is getting up there in age he's just over 30 will be 31 when the season begins so now all of a sudden, if Hopkins is not on this team, and I think that is the expectation, at least that's all the outside noise, is that Hopkins will be dealt sooner rather than later. You're going to need pieces, and then maybe you're not as talented, but there is an opening for other opportunities for someone else to kind of step up. And maybe it's not just one guy, Drew, but it might be a collection of receivers. That sounds like a very familiar comment we've talked about the last couple of years, waiting for a collective whole to take over one gap that needed to be filled. Um, yes, 
the answer is yes, that you want to find multiple guys like Zach Pascal that can go out and do that, that can go out and find another guy in the draft that can help bring him along and marry this thing up and you kind of put it together because we saw what Hollywood Brown can do, right? It's well documented that he was handcuffed throughout his time in Baltimore when he came here and we never got to see those two on the same field together and we won't because it sounds like DeAndre's on his way out. In saying that, there's enough pieces to this of saying, okay, how can we add all of this together, build through the draft, add another signing here. And again, wide receiver is the position where I would be drafting a wide receiver every single year at some point in the draft. Because later in the draft, you find a need, you find something that fits what you're looking for, and you can find lightning in a bottle. Or it's an undrafted free agent. There's guys that are out there, and if you feel good about that fitting in here, they're going to be more of a priority. Because if you're uh, undrafted free agent or if you're a free agent right now you're looking at this roster saying man I can go and I can earn this spot right that, that's probably what was told to Zach by Jonathan Gannon and said hey I can promise you an opportunity who else can do that right so sometimes that's what you're looking for and there that collective whole of a bunch is going to be better off than DeAndre Hopkins because he doesn't want to be here right it's apparent that he is ready to move on the team wants to move on they just need to figure out where compensation all of those things but he will not be in a cardinals uniform and quite honestly with the changing of the guard is probably for the best on both sides no doubt and i think this is almost a two-year process at receiver because it's a shallow free agent pool cardinals aren't weighing into it anyway it's a thin draft class when it comes to receiver so i'm thinking this is a two-year process i'm not really expecting a big name to be added to this receiver room to drew's point there might be someone on day two or day three of this draft because i don't think you're allocating a high draft pick to receiver at this point in the rebuild you're trying to get to the quarterback and protect the quarterback first and foremost right now if you're monty austin for at the same time i think deandre hopkins should command at least a third round pick and if you're lucky you get a couple of teams bidding for him maybe a second round pick just because there isn't a lot out there and he could be the key to putting a team over the top there's still a lot of noise out of new england a lot of noise out of cleveland reuniting with deshaun watson kansas city at least the fan base is all over deandre hopkins and there are reports that some of these teams have called the cardinals so they're kicking the tires question is what's a viable destination and who's willing to give what in the Brandon Cooks trade obviously didn't do the Cardinals a whole bunch of favors because Dallas ended up only giving up a fifth and sixth round pick and then they redid his contract but let's not forget Brandon Cooks is nowhere near what DeAndre Hopkins is yeah they're not even in the same realm I mean right now you look at D-Hop and what he still brings to the table he's a top two three wide receiver as soon as he steps into a building in this entire league but like Brandon Cooks D-Hop is going to want that contract Yep. where he reworked because he has zero guaranteed money on the two years that he is under contract this season and next season. And Hollywood Brown's going to want a new contract too. Let's not forget that. But look, if the Bears can trade a round two pick before the trade deadline last season for Chase Claypool, <laughs> then guess what? DeAndre Hopkins is worth a round two pick in my book. Deadlines spur decisions. Not that draft day is... A deadline day, but that would appear to be what everyone is pointing to, perhaps something getting done potentially with the DeAndre Hopkins by the time the Cardinals are on the clock at the end of April. We've hit halftime here. The Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Let's 
Let's get 1% better today. Play with that heart, play with that passion. Bosses do what they want, suckers do what they can, man. Let's go. LB's on three, LB's on three, one, two, three. LB. Pressure's coming. Minshew in trouble. And Minshew goes down. Could not get rid of it. Kaiser White, one of the first to get there. Picked off. And down inside the 25-yard line. Kaiser White. How about that? Under pressure. Goff hit as he throws. It was deflected by Kaiser White. And it's a pick six. Last season, it was hard not to notice Kaiser White in an Eagles uniform for the second straight season, over 100 tackles, plus last year, one and a half sacks, three quarterback hits, seven passes defensed, and now he'll be wearing an Arizona Cardinals uniform for the next two seasons. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats, the biggest name as far as free agent addition and you automatically go to the connections reunited with Jonathan Gannon his defensive coordinator in Philadelphia reunited with Nick Rollis now the DC with the Cardinals the position coach of whites in Philadelphia and it's easy because Paul the connections make it a no-brainer for the Cardinals to bring in someone who is familiar with both the head coach and now the DC and white can be that's de facto coach on the football field to get everyone else in line yeah no doubt Uh, if he's wearing the green dot I would not be shocked not that Zayvon Collins didn't do a solid job of that last year but you come in you have that sort of experience you have that sort of knowledge of the system you have that relationship with the head coach and now the defensive coordinator at least initially if he's the quarterback of the defense I think that's probably everyone's expectation at this point and everyone's going to follow suit and and look, all you have to do is go online and watch some of the NFL films where he's mic'd up, and he was mic'd up against the Cardinals last year, and you see he's a high-energy guy. Fast. Likes, likes to play ball, yeah. And you know what? As a former safety, it's always amazing that he was a safety in college, and then he gets converted to a linebacker in the NFL. But I would guess, due in part largely to that, all his metrics and analytics and coverage are elite. He's an elite cover guy. So in this passing league these days, not only does he uh, is he able to play physical, but he's not a liability out in space and getting matched up against a lot of receiving weapons. So that, I think, was very alluring if you're Jonathan Gannon is, okay, you know what, this guy can stay on the field as a three-down linebacker. He's not a liability when teams start spreading it out. Is he covering a running back? Is he covering a tight end? Is he covering that wide receiver in the slot? White can do a number of different things. The question is, what's he going to do for the Arizona Cardinals? He did tell azcardinals.com, quote, I'm comfortable with the scheme, end quote. Now, we really haven't been told what the scheme is going to be. They ran a 4-3 a year ago in Philadelphia, so you would assume much of that would now translate to the Arizona Cardinals. But you need pieces on that defense, and right now you're just looking for someone on that defense, especially that front seven that knows what they're doing. Yeah, and he knows what he's doing. Again, that plays into why he was compensated accordingly. Right? You look at a two-year deal when you get that much guaranteed money, they plan to build around him. And so you're giving him this opportunity to be here, to feel good about it. Uh, again, when you have the stats that he has over the last couple of years, it's warranted, and you're excited about that. The the one hesitation that you have, though, is 
they had a tremendous D-line in front of him. And because he is somewhat undersized, because he is a speed guy and he's great in coverage and does all these things that converted safety, he's very good in that facet. But can he hold up in a run game when he's got Trent Williams bearing down at him, when mm. he's got all of these guys within that? Again, the versatility is tremendous, and that's what you look for, what he can do. But when, when you're looking at what this league is built upon, you've got to be able to stop the run, and he's got to be able to do that. And again, Having tackles and the stats and all of this are fantastic. Uh, a, a great signing in, in every aspect of it. It's just he's a little bit undersized, and maybe him and Zayvon can play off of each other, right? <laughs> For as small as he is or undersized as he may be, again, it's the blueprint that you're bringing in, though, because you look at historically uh, of what these type of linebackers are like and the systems that he's been in, there's a handful of places that operate this way. They're speed guys that fly around, they can run around blocks, they can do all these things. A lot of that's predicated on the defensive line holding up and being able to create those lanes for them to get through uh, schematically it's going to have to be able to be that way then the question mark becomes who are those defensive linemen that are holding up allowing him to run through gaps that are allowing Zayvon Collins to do that that are allowing Isaiah Simmons to play in space and to be the athletic you know monster that he can be if you allow it so uh, again, athletically, these three guys are very, very gifted, and hopefully they can find a way to have them all three on the field together and work in unison and within the confines of what you want to do defensively. Comparing Whites and Collins, you're looking at 6'2", 234 versus 6'4", 260 of Zayvon <laughs> Collins. So to your point, Drew, yeah, you need to make sure that those offensive linemen aren't getting upfield and you do have some help in front of those inside linebackers. Yes, I mean, that's a necessity, right? And that's what they're trying to do. You're trying to get bigger bodies in here. When you make that transition from a 3-4 to a 4-3, and, and we don't need to get too much into scheme uh, talking about it, some people are intimidated by that. Some you know, some GMs, some head coaches, some front offices, they don't want to make that transition because you're looking at a roster overhaul. But Monty Austinfort has said, again, from the onset, this is going to be a work in progress. And so they're not afraid to take that on, which is great, because when you have to go through this transition, it might take a little time, or you just might find lightning in a bottle and say, hey, we've got a couple guys that are might be 3-4 guys or 4-3 guys, and it doesn't really matter too much if, from my perspective, to be honest with you, because most people are in nickel anyways. And when it's in nickel, you're not staying in a base defense, so you're not in a true 3-4 under at that point anyways. So you're teaching guys to, to be multifaceted in what their approach is and guys like Cam Thomas that have the ability to do it feel comfortable. It's just about a stance in a little bit and I don't want to downplay what that actually means but the transition shouldn't be as scary as it is and that's why they're taking it on. I like the pairing though with the Zayman Collins and the body type comparison just within the own division you think of like Bobby Wagner a couple years ago with the Seahawks and then Jordan Brooks playing alongside him flying around sideline to sideline dude had like 200 tackles that year just playing alongside Bobby Wagner some of the other quicker smaller linebackers that play alongside Fred Warner in the Niners defense and they're really productive and so I could see that you know I mean Zayvon Collins at 6'4", 6'5", a legit 260, should be that thumper, should be the classic traditional Mike linebacker, patrolling the middle, stuffing the A and B gaps, and then ideally it allows Kaiser White to fly around and and be that guy to go sideline to sideline. 
So they play well off one another. At least that would be the design for getting Kaiser White in the building. Productive on the field and someone who loves the game. Last week on the Big Red Rage, you, Paul, had a chance to speak with Mark Duda, former Cardinals defensive lineman, but who coached White on the JC level, talked about White's love of ball. You know, he's always been super enthusiastic. You'll call him on the phone and the son of a gun will pick the thing up and start talking about the game like right after the game's over. You know, like that guy? And I'm like, oh, here we go. He should have been born in like 1961 or something. You know, that, that kind of kid. You'll love him. I mean, he'll never have a day where he doesn't want to play. That's awesome. Like, that's just the way the kid is. So you'll, I mean, and, and that, of course your head coach knows that. I mean, he's not, he's, he's there for a reason. So he understands that the kid is, you never have to tell the kid, oh, come on, let's get it going. What do we always ask when it comes to the draft? Yeah, you can see what guys do on the football field, but is there a passion? Do they love the game? And it sounds like Kaiser White loves the game. Oh, yeah. Mark Duda kept coming back to that, just how how much he comes from that football family. His brother is Kevin White, former number 7 pick overall, and just everything he did to get on the field, Kaiser White, and what he did for everyone around him. And then going to West Virginia and, and just being that football hawk type of guy. So, yeah, there's, there's a reason. I think, you know, he has that sort of energy that matches the head coach, Jonathan Gannon. You know, you talk about how teams take on the identity of the head coach. I'm guessing a lot of these guys they're going to bring in by design are going to match the personality of the head coach. And everything we heard from Mark Duda, his former JC coach, uh, would bolster that. Yeah, well, I think it's great, too, because, look, to your point, in the draft, you can't analyze what their you know what their mentality is like. What they're like, you want to be able to rely on the guy next to you in this game. And throughout the course of the last couple of years, we've seen so much up and down. We've seen so much of hey, when adversity hits, you kind of shy away from it, and you don't know what you're going to get. There's not guys stepping up. There's not leaders saying hey, enough is enough. Uh, it just kind of kept snowballing. So guys like this are so valuable for that locker room that have been there, done that, been on NFC championship teams, but also just naturally are wired of like, why? it, it could be day th- 10 of training camp and he's excited to put pads on again. And you're like, man, what is going on with this guy? Guys like that, I'm telling you, are worth every single penny that will step up when they can just sense, hey, the energy's down today. Hey, everybody bring it up. We are not going to have a bad practice today. We are not going to allow complacency to seep into this thing. Those guys right there are the glue of what pulls it together. And it sounds like he has these kind of capabilities on top of the head coach reiterating that because this is a player-driven league. This is a player-driven locker room that's going to dictate what the team's going to do. So guys like this that can have that capability to really draw you in and pull you along, it's invaluable in my opinion. Sounds like another Cardinals player already in that locker room on the defensive side, Buda Baker. Yep. That those two will be able to keep that locker room on the straight and narrow. What if? What if there are two guys on film you can point to that are going all out every single snap? That it's not just Buda and then everyone else if Kaiser White is one of those guys and to Drew's point earlier you know what I already have Will Anderson on this team (laughs) so then what you do is you take a high second round pick you take the defensive tackle you put in front of Kaiser White and if you get a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins as we continue best case scenario around here then you take another defensive tackle and you stuff those guys in you let them grow with Kaiser White behind him I missed when you were promoted to general manager Paul but I like it we'll see if it becomes official at the end of April Check out the Dave Pash podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PashPod. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
Blau under center again, second and go on the four. Offset eye backfield, play fake, bootleg to the right, throw to the right, caught by McBride. Then he stumbles and falls down, but he's into the end zone anyway for the touchdown. Now they run it to Cooper. He's going to throw it back to Blau at his 10-yard line. Blau looking deep, airing it out, near sideline, jump ball, caught by A.J. Green at the 35. Turns left to the 30. He's inside the 20, inside the 10, and Green is into the end zone for a touchdown. You gotta be kidding me, David. I wanna prove to myself, I wanna prove to everybody that when they turn on the tape that they can trust me with the ball in their hands, whatever uh, that may look like my role in 2023. Well, you put on the film and you see what David Blau did in week 17 and 18, getting those final two starts. 38 of 58 for 402 yards and a couple of touchdowns. David Blau. Right now, we think you're one and only healthy quarterback on this roster, joining Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy, who, according to owner Michael Bidwell earlier in the offseason, was going to be limited in the offseason because of an injury. Don't know what the injury was or how limited he'll be, but we do know Colt we do know Kyler Murray, though, is going to be severely limited this offseason because he's still recovering from an ACL injury. So David Blau right now is, dare I say, Paul QB one. Well, you're two, three weeks away from taking the grass, right? Because you get an earlier start time with a new head coach. So somebody's got to be out there under center. And whatever you're able to run, I'm not exactly sure what the rules are out of the gate as to whether you can actually get out and and get into a team formation, whatever. I will say this, though. Based on the limited sample size the last two games of last season, David Blau was decisive. He got the ball out quick. The ball was on target for the most part. The ball went downfield which we didn't see a whole lot of a downfield passing attack for the Cardinals. He was able to target different receivers. He got different guys involved. So I am not shocked that they brought him back based on Monty Asifor and Jonathan Gannon going to the game film of those last two contests of last season. Yeah, I think there was a lot to like in a backup capacity. Well, you go back before he arrived in Arizona, he was with the Detroit Lions. And Dave Sears, your assistant general manager, comes from the Lions organization. So again, it goes back to whether you want to say it's connections or relationships, but do you know the player? Do you know the person that you're bringing into this brand new regime, if you will? You are an amazing dot connector. I, I mean, I you you don't just go back one team. You go back two teams. And so that, that's impressive. And saying that, yes, you need guys like David Blau. Again, you don't make decisions until you have to in this league. And so adding a guy like him that you feel good about the sample size he put on film last year and wait to see what happens, right? Philosophically, are they going to keep three? Are they going to keep two? Do they want to keep him on practice squad? All of those things matter because, you know, once the draft happens, they'll bring in another arm and he'll be in competition. And I know David very well, and we've had a lot of conversations even when we were together in Cleveland of, look, every single year you're going to be fighting for your life. That's just the, the fact of the matter in this business when you are a backup quarterback. You are being assessed every single time you step out on that practice field. And what you do matters. So those opportunities that he got this year to put real film on tape and to have some positives and to have some of these things, again, as we saw some negatives from other guys that have played throughout this league, you'll find yourself out of this league quickly. And so there's only so many chairs to be had in the entire quarterback room of the NFL. And so the fact that he can find one, he can get in one with some familiarity with some people and have all these things 
with a starting quarterback that the question mark for return is up in the air with a, a question mark as far as Colt of when he's going to be back and what he's going to be able to do. These reps, every single rep he gets is just invaluable from the standpoint as he's putting more on tape for decision makers to look at, and, and he's going to be prepared. Uh, again, having a personal relationship with this uh this guy is knowing how he's wired, and we've talked about that ad nauseum from different people, David Sears, to anybody else that's had any correlation to somebody because you got to find the right guys, and he is one of the right guys that you want in this locker room that's going to be all in for the cause, that's going to embrace whatever comes their way to try to galvanize what this team wants to be because you don't have to have the most talent. You've just got to be in a position to be able to go out there and be dependable when your number's called that you can all go out there and help them win football games or be able to really digest this offense right nobody knows what this offense is going to look like what is he going to bring to the table does this offense fit somebody like David Blau uh, and what is that going to mean so a great opportunity for him to come in here learn get better get reps uh, and feel good about a chance to try to make this team not only do I connect dots but perhaps read between the lines what does this signing mean as far as the health of a Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy. Everyone pointed to, hey, why don't you go get a Jacoby Brissett, a Baker Mayfield, someone with established experience because you were perhaps going to be missing Kyler for a month, two months, but perhaps maybe he is quicker to be back on that field to where you don't need to go out and get that number three where you think is competing with Colts or perhaps starting a handful of games. Yeah, you got to be very careful with that, though, right? Depending on what type of personality you bring in here, somebody like Baker Mayfield, and even though him and Kyler know each other, it could be like oil and vinegar. It could it could be really, really bad because you want to make sure that Kyle is the, the loudest voice in this locker room, that he's doing everything that he can. You start playing with those things in that quarterback room, I've been in uncomfortable situations. It just rolls downhill quickly, and there's no coming back. And there's not a lot left on the market. Uh, I mean, musical chairs, the music has stopped. And from what I can tell, Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan are the only two still left out there after you saw Marcus Marietta go and uh, and climb on board so i mean you know everyone has a spot now and i'm guessing this is it these are the three quarterbacks going forward for the cardinals 2023 and as you talked about there'll be a fourth one brought in after the draft just yep. to have a fourth sure. quarterback on the roster for off-season workouts but yeah kyler murray colt mccoy and david blau are in that quarterback room as we speak Special thanks behind the scenes, our executive producer, Jim Amahundro, technical director, Cody Fincher. We'll talk to you in one week's time. For Drew Stanton and Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.